to the Terry and Jesse show. Jess is out today. He'll be back for sure tomorrow. Father Charles Murr is sitting in. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for joining us as usual. Oh, he's not on yet. Okay, I thought you said he's on. Okay, he'll be coming on. I wanted to give you a taste of what this show is going to be like. Today, we're going to talk about what we just finished uh, celebrating yesterday, Feast of Christ the King. Uh, what's the story behind it? You know, it's a recent uh, celebration. It was 1925 when it started. So what's that all about? We're also going to be talking about someone who I knew personally quite well, actually, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, who was responsible for 75,000 abortions. And what are we learning from him today? There's quite a bit to protect life that he shared with us that he left before God called him home as a Catholic. Also, this is a, a very sad topic to talk on, but the occult is having a powerful moment. Witchcraft has become especially popular during this pandemic. Yeah, that's not good. We'll talk about that. Also, overcoming the fear of rejection. This is something that we all have an issue with. Sometimes I think it's a false uh, issue because many times we don't want to be rejected because we're afraid to tell people the truth. That happens. But we'll go into that and much, much more. Is Father Murr with us now, Mr. Engineer? Yes. Father, welcome. Thank you very much, Terry. I'm, I'm sorry I'm a little bit late today. No problem. My whole day is off by about five minutes. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. And I want to give you a good news story before we get into the gospel today. Are you ready? This is the head, headlines. Am Bi I ready for good news? Yeah, here, here it is. Big chill for the climate doomers. Arctic sea ice is expanding. Uh-oh. In addition, the Arctic sea melt this summer was the lowest in 15 years, and, the, and it expanded the Arctic sea as well above average. I only bring this up because the science is not real clear that we are in global warming. Sometimes I've read enough issues on this to say that the Earth is always going hot and cold. It, it, it's just part of the process of the planet. So I, whenever I see these things about a cold winter, I always bring them up. But uh, before we uh, go into these topics I just described, I'm going to ask Father Murr. It's a short gospel, Luke 21, verse 1 to 4, but it's a powerful gospel. So, uh, Father, if you could be so good to uh, read the reading from the gospel today from Luke chapter 21, verse 1 to 4. Absolutely. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus looked up, he saw some wealthy people putting their offerings into the treasury, and he noticed the poor widow putting in two small coins. He said, I tell you truly, this poor widow put in more than all the rest. For those others have all made offerings from their surplus wealth. But she, from her poverty, has offered her whole livelihood. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what 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 can what what is there to say? Well, I bet what you're going to tell me. I bet you're going to tell me a story that the priest told me today at mass that just makes you. No, really... I'm open to hearing yours. Go ahead. No, I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear your comment. I think what Bishop Sheen always said at that gospel. I remember him saying, "Don't measure your your generosity by how much you have, but by how much you. I mean, don't measure your generosity by how much you give, but how much you have left over." 
I remember that that's line. Right. That's but, right. Um, that's that was right. a Fulton Sheen line. But Father told us about a missionary from Germany. He went to South uh, South Korea, as a, and this was in the 1950s. So you can imagine how poor Korea was. And um, the woman came up, and he was collecting money for the missions and just things like that. And this woman came up with this pan. It looked like an eating pan and had a top on it and said, I want to give this to you, Father. And he wasn't quite sure, but he thanked her and said, you know, okay, thank you very much. And then he uh, thought, well, why is she? Is there must be something in inside of it. Or, you know, he opens it up, and there's nothing there. And um, he says, well, thank you very much. Um, you know, I found out that this woman was so poor they uh, live in cardboard boxes. Uh, that's their house, you know, where they live in cardboard. And they would eat their rice on the cardboard, but just recently she was able to afford a little pan so that she could f- eat her food in a pan rather than on the cardboard. And so she heard this gospel and decided to give what was most valuable to her, the pan. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and then he told that story at another mission he was a missionary priest he's in the united states and he's telling that story and an american businessman says i want to buy that pan i'll give you a large donation and the priest says well i'm you know i'm not i'm not uh, selling the pan i'm sorry he says well look i want that pan because i want to teach my kids and my family the value of giving and so he gives a large amount of money more than he could collect for years and says, how about if you just gift it to me because I want this as a story for my family. Okay, so the guy makes this huge donation uh, and gets the pan, Was when that was the only thing that woman had to eat from. And what was the moral of the story for the rich guy was, you know what, she gave everything she had uh, right. of value. And I think that it kind of makes us Americans, I mean, we have so much to go for, Father, as you know, we've been... You, we, we were all brought up in America, and we had, I don't think you ever went hungry. I didn't go hungry. And uh, it's, no. it's just, now, I, I want to probe your mind because I know you worked in Mexico with orphans, and you really saw what sometimes poverty looks like. Uh, is there anything that, any story that you could? Well, I'll, t- I'll, tell, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story from, from my, mm-hmm. my youth that impressed me. Good. Very, very much. Good. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you know that I'm from St. Paul. Absolutely. Minnesota. I won't hold that against you. Uh, we have a lot of <laughs> we have uh, we have a lot of crazy weather there. Yes, I imagine. Crazy weather. Anyway, one day my father came in. Mm-hmm. My father had a construction company. He was just kind of beginning, and uh, he, I told you he and my mother had a holy hour mm-hmm. every every evening from five o'clock to six o'clock. They sat down and had a brandy with water. I love it. Both of them. <laughs> and no children were allowed in the dining room. That's when that was their time to talk. Well, <laughs> uh, my mother had the complaint. She was fretting because there was only something like $613.42, something like that mm-hmm. amount in the entire business account. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. And she had to pay the workers on oh. Friday and this, that, and the other thing, and there was no money for it. Right. My father listened to all of this, and he was going through the mail that arrived that day, and he, he opened a, a letter. <clears throat> from, I'd love to find this priest or, or his mission. <laughs> Father Tracy, his last name was Tracy, who was an SJ, a Jesuit. 
he had a mission, I believe, in Peru. Uh-huh. And it was an orphanage that he had in Peru. Yep. Anyway, Father Tracy was looking for donations. And, and Father Tracy was a classmate of my dad's. Wow. Right? So my father said, I, I, I was there. I, li- I heard this. I was in the kitchen over here, and we used to love to listen to the, to the adult conversa- <laughs> conversations, right, sure. over here to them. Anyway, my, my dad said, how much money do we have in the account? And my mother says, $613.42 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. He said, why don't you write out a check for $613.42 for Father Tracy? What? She said, she said to him, are you out of your mind? That's all we've got. That's it. I just told you. That's it. I don't have enough for the workers on Friday. Wow. He said, he said, listen, Anita Jane, he said, you and I aren't going to remedy any problem that we've got and the business has got or our household has got with $613.42. It's not going to do anything for us, but it might make a big difference in Father Tracy's life. Mm. Anyway, the long and the short of it was wow. they had a little bit of an argument but my mother finally cut a check and sent it to Father Tracy. These were these were desperate times. I, I think this was the the low point. My dad always said it was the low point in in his in his history in business. Yes. That evening, that same evening, at night, a tornado hit the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. St. Paul, Minneapolis. This has got to be around 1960. 263, something like that. Mm -hmm. It was a major, major tornado. All of a sudden, my father had business for the next five years. (laughs) I can see why. What do they call that? A a wind? What? A windfall? A windfall, yeah. It was literally a windfall. I get it. It was was fantastic. And and, I mean, um, it it was amazing. And my father, every time my mother would bring this up, my father would just look at her and smile. <laughs> but <Right>? he would. <laughs> that was it. But, it. but I remember that. I remember he gave everything that, not only that, he, I, that's all we had. Yeah. I'm talking groceries, everything. Incredible. Incredible. Said, we're not going fi- to fix our problems with that. Maybe somebody else can. And, and put it in perspective, how many children were in the family at the time? Oh, we were seven. We there were seven, and at that time, at that time, I think we were we were six. We were six children. Wow, yeah, that's incredible. And, and 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 times were not easy, oh. as you know, with yeah. with families. And we're all, we were all being sent to to Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, <laughs> it's funny because I was just telling somebody the other day tuition to our Catholic school. Yeah, how much? Grade school was, twenty bucks was fifteen dollars a year. That was off. <laughs> Can you imagine? Amazing. We got the best. We got the best education. We got an education that money could never buy. Exactly. I hear the music. We're going to come right back again. We're going to talk about the saint of the day, Saint Cecilia, Virgin and Martyr, and see how that applies to us here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr joining us. And the dial will be back to help you in your walk with the Lord. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse will be back tomorrow. Father Charles Murr sitting in for the Terry and Jesse Show. 
Father, that was a fantastic story that you told about your father and his trust in the Lord. That really inspires all of us there. Um, father, yeah, but you know, I, I almost me. feel guilty when I yeah. tell it yeah. because because I, I wouldn't want to tempt somebody to actually do that and then starve to death. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get, I get very nervous about telling that, but it's, it's actually true. It is. Now, St. Cecilia, virgin and martyr, a uh, long time ago, okay, in early parts of the church, St. Cecilia, uh, she was one of seven martyred women mentioned in the Roman canon, Eucharistic Prayer 1, a yep. noble Roman virgin. She was martyred for her unwillingness to sacrifice to the pagan gods. Now, Father, I'm all serious. I was going to make a little joke about this, but I mean, are you kidding me? Who are the pagan gods today that we're not willing to sacrifice? I mean, that we we willing to just, you know, do whatever it takes to give money to Caesar or do whatever we got to do, uh, you know, with these pagans that we see today. Even inside our church, it seems like we've we've not really taken heed. I would think that St. Cecilia would cringe if she was alive today. Am I on to something? Oh, I, I, I believe you're very much on to something. Of course you are. Yeah. Of course you are. We, we the, the you know, we always talked about pagan gods yeah. and worshiping false gods, right? Um, in in a sense of of following money, mm-hmm. of worshiping money, of, of materialism, right. and materialistic right. uh, objects, and all of a sudden, Terry, yeah. we're talking about real pagan gods and goddesses, yeah. Like the Pachamama, I'm thinking myself. Personally. I wasn't going to mention I'll it. I'll mention it. It's true. Sorry. <laughs> Good. Good for you. Good. Yes, that's exactly it. This is, this is beyond incredible. Yeah. Beyond incredible. Incredible. Uh, yes. Yeah, we've got a real problem. Yeah. And especially when we have, when we have, uh, when we have our, our priests and bishops buying into this. Uh, this is, you know, yesterday we had the gospel of the, the abomination of desolation. Right. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Tridentine Mass. Uh-huh. And, and, and I remember hearing that as a boy and thinking, oh my gosh, thank goodness that's going to happen in the future after, long after I die. <laughs> but all, all of a sudden it sounded like today. Yes, exactly. It, it sounded like today. Yeah, we've got real trouble. We've yeah. got real trouble. I agree. Uh, it's, and it's, and it's so, totally unnecessary. It totally is. unnecessary. We don't have to have this. I agree totally on that. Father, I want to talk about pay, about um, bringing someone with knowledge. I want to bring the smartest guy into our conversation, Archbishop Full Sheen ahead. And here's what he says that I think, again, it sounds like Bishop Sheen is alive in 2021 or two uh, when he talks on this stuff about self-love. And I'd like to get your take on this, Father. He says, a person often tries to get away from himself through alcohol, Deception, drugs, the self one has to live with can be one's own greatest punishment. To be left forever with self, which we hate, is hell. (laughs) He who starts only loving self ends by hating himself. So true. He becomes like a mansion, lying, forlorn, spacious, and empty. Does that describe our culture today, Father? Beautifully, beautifully. Yeah, it, it really does. And it also, it also, uh, every once in a while, Terry, I go to uh, 
Barnes and Noble to different bookstores. Sure, they're, sure. They're I'm a bookworm. Less and less yeah. and less because nobody's reading anymore. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I like going through. I go to the religion section, the philosophy section. Sure. It, it, the, the garbage that they sell under oh. the name of religion is unbelievable. Yeah. But anyway, there are a lot of self-help books. And, and you know, they've got all of these help, self-help books, many of them are dedicated to how to, how, how to love yourself, <laughs> yes. uh, self-love, uh, self-esteem. Right. We have to build up self-esteem. I, what are you kidding me? <laughs> We're born with that. And we're, we're, everybody knows how to I love, love himself. I love it. I remember, I remember, I remember there was a, there was a, there was a priest who said, who said to us one time in a, in a, in a retreat as, as kids, he said, he said, self-love. He said, here, I'll give you an example of self-love. He said, open up the doors to a theater and watch people run in. Every one of them knows what the best seat is in the theater and they all look to take it. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, and nobody had to explain to them which one it was. Yeah, I get it. That's amazing. Yeah, that's Fa- Father, before we get into the Christ the King feast, I wanted to uh, do a... I, I always think of you as someone who really appreciates the venerable Pope Pius XII because actually, um, well, was, you're, you were just a little boy when he was right in his pontificate. And he has a, a statement that he said, and I want to get your take on it because I think... He's nailing it. He, I think Fulton Sheen and Pope Pius XII must have read from the same formation letters because the, they say, they, the things they say are so beautifully written and so articulated. Here's what well, he it said. Well, uh, Terry, it, yeah. it, was simply, it was simply that they were both Catholic. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Right. So that's easy. Here's what he says. The accusations of the oppressed rigidity made against the church by the new morality— in reality, attacks in the first place the adorable person of Christ Himself. Now he said that March twenty third, nineteen fifty two. Father, there were things going on that a lot of us weren't aware of. The attacks that were going on with this new morality. It seems like we have that new morality so strong in our culture that sometimes I don't think we realize that this new morality is an attack on the perennial teachings of Christ. Yeah. Uh, yes. That's yes. my take on it. So I just think that St. Pope, or he's not saying, saying the venerable Pope Pius Twelfth has nailed it again. All right, let's... Well, Pope Pius, Pope Pius XII also talked about modernism. He did. And he was very, con- he was very concerned about modernistic tendencies. Yeah, modernism. Got- as a heresy coming into play. And yeah. one of the things that, that he was, that was alive then was the idea that Christ was subject to his times. Were Christ alive today, it would be, he would be saying different things. Yeah. Moral relativism. And there you go. And of course this is condemned. Of course. no, no, Christ wouldn't be saying anything differently today. Not, no. not in, as far as the truth goes. Right. But 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 uh, you've you've got all of these conditions that are putting on put on Christ to change him to make him more like us, yeah. to make him more like the world constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the reduction of his miracles. His miracles are nothing. Uh, the resurrection of the his physical resurrection from the dead. That's not real. Uh, what what he did, he resurrected in the in the in the hearts and minds of the of of his followers. 
All of this nonsense, all of this nonsense, it's very much alive today. But it began, it, it began in the 19, oh my gosh, in the, in the 1880s. Right, that's what And in the 19, 1930s, right. 40s, it was there. Yes. And it's, it's uh, culminating today. Yes. The problem is, the problem is that in its history, modernism, we always had great um, bishops and popes of, of, of tremendous faith to combat it. Yes. And put it back in its it, place, explain what it was, explain what it was before they cut off its head. Yes. Right? Yes. Today, not the uh, case. No, it's not there. Not so. Not so. not at all. Let's be honest. No, not at all. Yeah, not at all. That's no. that's the problem. Yep. Nobody's explaining this to people, right. and it's 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 more than creeping. It's galloping. Yeah. It's running into existence. You know. You know, yep. Father, you're nailing it, and I just want to give another. I, I say a really good news story. I like to inspire people, even in the midst of all this modernism that we have going on. This is a story out of Spain, and I think uh, you'll like it. Five biological sisters who joined religious life in just two years. So in other words, their mom and dad had seven adult children, six sisters and one brother, and five out of the six sisters have joined this order of nuns in Spain. And I look at these yep. young ladies' picture in the uh, paper here. All of them have this beautiful smile on their face. They're brides of Christ. And I say that in spite of all the craziness, I still see glimpses of hope in the church where, you know, there's small religious orders are thriving. And, and I notice one thing about these groups that are thriving, Father, is that they're mm -hmm. very traditional. They have the habit. They live a ordered life. They haven't bought into modernism. Oh. Every single one that grows, and I, bar none, I don't know of any modern order of sisters or an order of priests who are modernist in their theology that are getting vocations. Would you agree that that's a fact? Oh, not only are they, look, <laughs> it's not only that they're not getting vocations, yeah. the moderns, yeah. the moderns who have gone with the way of the world, who right. have gone the way of all flesh. Right. Right. It's not only that, 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 that this is happening. Mm -hmm. They're at a point of not only do they not have new vocations, they're at a point where they're trying to figure out how they're going to take care of the elderly that yeah. they've got exactly. and to who are they going to leave their properties to. Yep. No, that's a that's a fact. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible who they're gonna who's gonna who's gonna inherit the properties. Yeah. Who's gonna inherit the mother house? Who's gonna inherit this, that, and the other thing? Wow. There's nobody. There's nobody. Amen. Father, and I, and, I, and you and I know these new orders that are coming yes, up of the sisters of the Eucharist, oh, mother, mother of the Church. Oh yeah. I mean, they're incredible. They are. God, God, help them to start taking over schools and getting Catholic education going again. Oh yeah, big time. I, I've always said this, Terry. Tell me. People look at the bishops and the priests as 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 you know very fundamental to our Catholic faith. Sure. You know, you and I know who the backbone of the Catholic faith is, and especially in this country, the oh, yeah. backbone were women religious. Absolutely. We're, 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 oh my God, are you kidding? Yeah. No, you're are you kidding? It, it, Bishop uh, Cardinal Spellman said it this way: they were there was a question when they were building the new parishes, <laughs> all these new parishes with new people coming in, yeah. and the question was: should we build the church first, or should we build the school first? What should we do for, or the rectory first, or what should we build first? Right. And Cardinal Spellman said, he gave this class, and this was classic for yeah. the entire United States. He said, build the school. Yeah. The school will build the, the church. Exactly. 
Well, that's it. Okay. That's it. That's it. When, when people saw, there are many people who, who have difficulty with priests, with bishops, this, and the other thing. With the sisters, with these women who dedicated their entire lives to educating their children, nobody has a problem. Not really. They might be the butt of a few jokes here and there, but the admiration that people had was incredible. Thomas Jefferson said, the priests, you can have them. (laughs) The priests, you can have the Catholic priests, you can have them. He said, but those women religious, those nuns who dedicate their lives to the sick, to the poor, to the ignorant in education, he said, there's no explaining that. He said, they're they're one of the greatest proofs for God. Yep, well said. The existence of God. Imagine that. Yep. yep. I just want to remind everybody there's a mission going on, Our Lady of Grace Parish here at Sacred Heart Chapel, December 13th to the 15th. And I'll tell you more when we come back. Who's going to be coming to do this mission? You're going to be very impressed. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're talking about now the Sacred Heart of Jesus through Christ the King's Feast Day. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr, retired Catholic priest, filling in for Jesse. I wanted to give some good news, too, about we call it a three-day evening day of recollection in Advent. The Opus Angelorum priests are coming. Father William Wagner, Father Wolfgang will be here on the 13th of December, 14th and 15th. Confessions start around 5.45 in the evening. We'll have a Holy Mass. We'll have the conference. And I love the topics that they're going to be covering. Uh, one of the topics is Padre Peel and the angels. Oh, I love those Padre Peel angel stories. Also, he's going to be covering the Immaculate Heart of Mary and then the gift of consecration to the guardian angel. I want to encourage you to come. I'll tell you, Father William Wagner and Father Murr know each other from their time in Rome. And Father William, um, great holy priest who actually helped with um, Father Bishop Athanasius Snyder. They're in the same order. He actually uh, taught Father Bishop Athanasius Snyder when he was a young man in the formation of his priesthood and then worked with Bishop Athanasius Snyder in Rome for years as part of the um, hierarchy there in their order. But, Father, give us a few uh, words of wisdom about why people would want to listen to Father Wagner speak on angelology. Well, first of all, the, the, the person of Father Bill mm-hmm. Wagner, uh, I, I, as you say, I, I knew him when he was a young man. I knew him when we were both young men. Let yeah, me put it that there way. There you go. <laughs> that, that's the truth of it. Many, many years ago, it was like 45 years ago. I can't believe it's that, that many, but it is. Uh, he was, and uh, and I, he'd be upset if he if he oh, yeah. heard me saying this, but but it's true. Mm-hmm. He was the, one of the most diligent students yeah. that we had studying philosophy. I mean, he was he he was serious about everything. He he spent hours and hours and hours preparing for each each uh, course that he took. Um, a very serious man, and at the same time very human, oh, very yeah. uh, very very kind, um, but no nonsense. He was no nonsense. He never was. He never was. He had no time for that. And he had no time for things that were not that were that were un-Catholic or not Catholic. He wanted the truth. And he was looking for the truth and he found it. He found it. Uh, Great man. I I I envy anybody 
yeah. who can go and and, oh, yeah. and have three evenings listening to listening to him uh, impart uh, lessons on yeah. on spirituality. Yeah. I, that he he's a he would he's just a great man. Just a great. Yeah, man. I think and he's you, a. You, yeah. uh, you found a treasure. I did. I did. He's a great resource, and people come to this day, these three days of recollection, December 13th to the 15th. It's free. You just show up at 381 West Center Street, Covina, and you'll get the confession. You'll get the conferences, adoration, the rosary. This is old-time Catholic Catholicism that we're going to be having for three nights, so I want to enjoy invoke all of you to come. You know, Terry, we we used to we used to call that kind of a person the real deal. Yeah, the real deal. There you go. Yeah, he he's he really is. Yep. He's hey, great. Just a he's quick great. note: we had the Christ the King feast day uh, yesterday in the ordinary uh, for the for the feast day, and I thought it was interesting. I didn't know this that uh, this feast started in 1925, so it's relatively new in the church's life. But there's a parish in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it was the first in the world to have the church with the name Christ, you know, the, uh, Christ the King. And I thought, well, well, that's interesting. Here in America, we ended up getting that. Now, here's the interesting thing about the Christ the King uh, feast. It was introduced in the you know Western liturgical calendar from Pope Pius XI uh, in one of his encyclicals, and it was a jubilee year. And I think... A lot of that was right after World War One. It was 14, 1914 to eighteen, and um, as you know, a lot of the fall of the European kingdoms were done after World War One, and also communism was starting to take hold. And um, I just find it interesting because Christ's kingdom is opposed to none other than that of Satan and to the power of darkness. And there was a lot of power of darkness with communism. And uh, I just think that it's uh, it's interesting that the Gospels present the kingdom as one which men prepare to enter by penance and cannot actually enter except through faith and baptism. And uh, this Christ the King feast day is very, very special. And I will say this, Father, what, what you said, and then you can tell me your thoughts, but I found this to be very interesting uh, in regards to uh, what, we, what you said about... Um, the, the moral, I said moral relativism, that, you know, things don't change. And uh, someone sent me this scripture verse I thought was very appropriate. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is why I bring this up. Christ the King, it hasn't changed. Just because it just started in 1925, every inch of the planet of the universe is owned by Jesus Christ. In other words, we have to proclaim Jesus Christ wherever we are, whatever country, wherever place of a land we're at. And I just think that sometimes we forget that his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom and that it ha- we have to oppose governments that attack the kingship of Christ. We have to defend our faith. And this is called religious freedom today. It's a new term. But right now we have a government who's telling our president, our president supposedly baptized Catholic, okay, but not living out his Catholic faith, that's for sure. And he's stopping us now with our religious freedom. He's putting legislation in that says, you priests, you doctors, you can't make exceptions because of your moral conscience as a Catholic. And this is coming down the pike right now. And so uh, we have to, again, vote with our Catholic moral conscience. 
we have to step up because a hundred lawmakers have stood up and they blasted the Biden administration for forcing Christian doctors and nurses to do abortions. And so I, I say this because we're facing it again. We have a anti-Catholic Christian uh, presidency that's attacking any kind of morality when it comes to the life issues of, of abortion and also to moral conscience. So, Father, I guess I'll throw it back to you and say, did I, did I nail it? Is, is the uh, Christ the King kingship, we have to put it in season and out? Your thoughts. All right. Uh, yeah, of course, of course, of course. There's, uh, mm-hmm. I would add one thing to that. Good, add aspect. more than one. <laughs> You've got a lot of your listeners and viewers and adherents, uh, even to the chapel and, and, uh, yeah. and to all of the communication sources that you've got, mm-hmm. are Mexicans yeah. or Mexican-Americans. That's true. Right? Uh, you know, <laughs> we're getting ready. We're getting ready for Thanksgiving. Right. And I'm just about, I've just about had it with the pilgrims. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think? <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Uh, look, the, 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 greatest, the greatest Americans that we had, the first Americans that we had were the Spanish. And, and uh, especially, especially in, in, in all, of the, uh, all of California, New Mexico, Mexico, uh, Arizona. It, it, it was a fantastic thing. Florida, what they, what they brought to the to to the new world and and they they helped through God's grace to to form and create a new race of people a fantastic mm-hmm. race of people who we call Latinos today mm-hmm. and this is this is a magnificent and and brought the religion with them getting back to Mexico yes. I'm not saying the pilgrims are wonderful okay that's fine that's fine but before the pilgrims we had masses going on in the in in what is now the United States of America that's right I don't know why we're jumping to, 60, to 16, uh, 1620 when the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock, but but we we had that we had a history a Catholic history in this country even before that, and and that's really what we what should be celebrated. However, let me get back to Mexico. Mm-hmm. In 1925, in Mexico, there was a movement with all the Mexican bishops, priests, religious. Mexican people, mm-hmm. all Catholic at that time, yes. probably 90, 98% Catholics, to build a monument in the very center of Mexico, yes. northeast, southwest center. Mm-hmm. It's called the Cubilete. Mm-hmm. It's out of, out of Guanajuato, if you look at it today. It's a monument to Christ, of all things, Christ the King. Amen. I mean, yep. All right. In 1924, it was ready. And the papal nuncio with all the bishops of Mexico were going to go consecrate that shrine mm-hmm. to Christ the King. And they were told by the Freemason government of Mexico that if they do that, there would be harsh consequences for wow. the church. Wow. Imagine, if you dare name Christ the King of the world, mm-hmm. the King of the universe, there will be consequences for that. Incredible. Imagine that. Incredible. Right? Well, there was there was a con- there were consequences for that. There was a brutal, brutal civil war. That as soon as the papal nuncio went to that ceremony and opened the shrine to Christ the King, yep, he was arrested and deported from Mexico. Wow! All of the bishops of Mexico 
started hiding. Priests started hiding. The official Masonic laws went into place. There was a revolution or civil war that went on that killed thousands and thousands of people thousands for, for, the, for the crime of being Catholic. Not, there, weren't two, there weren't two crimes for being Catholic. That's all. All of the churches were closed. The seminaries were closed. Catholic hospitals were closed. All convents were closed. Everything that was Catholic, anything that smelt of incense and sounded a bell <laughs> was closed. Huh? Is, that was it. is that why the cry was Viva lo Cristo Rey, long live Christ there the King? There you go, my boy. You okay. got it. So, that's so, a, yeah. so, so at the end of all of this, mm-hmm. that was the Cubilete. At the, that monument to Christ the King, uh-huh. the president of Mexico sent planes and they bombed it to smithereens. Wow. Wow. Okay? At the end... In 1930, yeah, when the whole when the whole thing stopped, yeah, and it was stopped by Pius XI. Okay, interesting. It was stopped by Pius. It's a long story, but Pius XI negotiated a ceasefire, and the Mexican government said that they would respect that. As soon as the Christian soldiers, the Catholics, laid down their arms, the government came in and mowed them all down. Five thousand of them. Yep. Remind me, remind me. Let's tell that story. Yeah, let's get that at the end of the break. It's a good tease. Conclusion. Yeah, we'll come right back with Father Murr talking about uh, the Civil War in Mexico. You want to hear this. Don't turn that dial, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Our Father Charles Murr is telling us a great story about the Civil War in Mexico in the 20s. Father, please continue about Pius XI. Well, <clears throat> I guess. Pius XI wanted to negotiate a peace. <laughs> Whether you agree with it or not, his, history, uh, history, um, the history of it is worth investigating and finding out for yourself whether he did the right thing. He trusted the Mexican government. They, right. These are Freemasons yeah. at the time, right? Yep. Scottish right, supported in great part by the United States of, of America mm-hmm. financially with this war against the church. Anyway, the war ended. The Pope, they promised that if, if the Christian soldiers would lay down their arms, that there would be no retaliation. As soon as the Christian soldiers, Catholic soldiers, Catholic and Christian is the same, is the same thing, right? As soon as they laid down their arms, they, everyone was slaughtered. They were, there was, a, there was a, a, a killing by the Mexican government of all of those people who laid down their arms in good faith, mm-hmm. obeying the Pope, right? This is how the government paid their, their, their goodwill. However, I want to end it this way. Mm-hmm. Right after the war, collections were taken, collections were taken, collections were taken. This is by the lay people for the reconstruction of the monument to Christ the King. And if you ever get to Mexico, in the very center of the country, in a place called El Cubilete, mm-hmm. in Guanajuato, right outside of Guanajuato, mm-hmm. is the is the mountaintop. 
what what the what the president bombed below sent planes to destroy to the Christ the king was at the foot of the mountain wow when it was rebuilt it was built on the top of the mountain on the mountain top i love it and it is a glorious monument to Christ the king i'll have to check that Christ, out Christ it's it's fantastic and it's a point of pilgrimage today that the government wouldn't think of touching or there'd be another revolution <laughs> There, there, this is Christ the King. That's so awesome. I think that what uh, the feast day of Christ the King, I don't think is you're you're able to separate that feast day from the history of Mexico. Yeah, I get it. I get okay. it. Okay. Yeah. And I and I believe I think that Pius the Eleventh mm-hmm. made it made a special effort to have that feast day to to show Mexico the gratitude that they were obedient. They were obedient, and the war stopped. Yeah. And though many were slain because of it, there were many lives saved because of it. Yeah. And I, this, I, this, I think, really struck the Holy Father, Pius XI. And that, I think that's behind the, the entire feast day. I really do. I get it. Father, I just want to uh, mention for folks to check out Dr. Bernard Nathanson's article uh, in um, the Internet. It's on our website there. Uh, Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He uh, was responsible for 75,000 abortions, and then he became a pro-life person, a Catholic. He died a Catholic and has a lot of good things to say about how we can protect the unborn. He's the author of the silent screen that's on YouTube that everybody has seen millions of times. So I just want to recommend that. But I want to also, before we have to say goodbye, I want to bring up something that's not very nice, and it's the occult. Uh, the occult witchcraft has become especially popular during this pandemic. And um, I bring this up because it's really sick that we're talking about uh, online mentions of occult increased on average of 4% every week. Um, this, I, don't, I don't go on this Tic Tac. I've heard people talk about it, but it's a communication device. has 20.5 billion views of, uh, of uh, occult stuff. And if you take a quick scroll down, uh, you can see that it isn't just the Harry Potter fans. It's witches. Are you ready for this, Father? They're teaching mm-hmm. young people how to do spells. And the spells are trying to tell them, oh, we can get you money. We can get you this, anything you want. And are you ready for this? The industry right now is worth $2.2 billion in the United States. And its expansion is about 1.5% every year since 2016 and it's expected to be doubling a rate to 2.6 this year alone now i that's all bad news but i want to say this father and you tell me if we're onto something or i think people are going to the occult because they're not being fed on the supernatural by our church okay so i'm blaming our lack of catechesis our lack of introducing people to the person of jesus christ that gives them a vacuum and form to go to cults and to get into occultism. Am I onto something? No, I, cu- I couldn't agree more. I would I would take it one step further. Mm-hmm. One step further. Tell me. Mysticism. Mysticism. Envy. The mystical. Yeah. The mysterious. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 transcendent. Yeah. What we what we what we don't know, mm-hmm. but we know is real. It's out there. This is what these people are trying to tap into incorrectly. I get it. Incorrectly. Right. Now, we used to have that in a thing called the Catholic Mass. It's true. It used to be very present, the mystical, 
the mystery, the mystery, mm-hmm. the mystery, the transcendence, all that was contained in our mass and in our sacraments. Right. We've given all of that up in a great part. We've given it up yeah. uh, to be more meaningful, more relevant, more, more communicative, this is, which is, which is nonsense. We've, we've really in a great degree thrown the baby out with the, with the, with the bathwater. We really have. So, and when, the more you see, the more you see that we have we have stopped this, mm-hmm. the more the world picks it up. Yep, I agree. Now, and, and stop and think of this, Terry. Mm-hmm. These are signs of a progressive, enlightened, and educated nation. Right. Can you imagine that? These are. This is what an educated, enlightened, enlightened, progressive nation is doing. That reverting to witchcraft. Right. Help me understand this. You've got to be kidding me. Are you serious? Yeah, this is, this is where we're going. This is this is where the great people are screaming science. Show us the science. Show us the science. Really? Yeah. Really? Is this science? Oh my is this rational? No, it's not. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. But they're they're gravitating toward this. It's amazing, huh? And, and you know, amazing? Father, just to confirm what you're saying, I've met uh, Satanists that have converted to the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. And they basically told me the same thing that you just said. They, and as a matter of fact, are you ready for this, Father? I hope you're sitting down. Mm-hmm. Many, of my, many of these guys that are Satanists, guess what mass they love to go to? Just take a guess. Of course, of course. Trinitine mass. No, they, they, they go to the extraordinary form because they see it and, and it really feeds them in a way that they were looking for the supernatural. Well, why? Because the supernatural is there. Mm -hmm. When you're going to, when you're going, you know, look, it depends also on the priest and how the priest, with what reverence are offering the mass. I understand that. But when you go to a, when you go to a mass where you've got Flutzi Dooley and Bucky Lombardo giving out communion, like it's nothing out of, out of paper cups and this, and it's nothing, it's nothing. And 75% of the people don't believe in the real presence. Yep. Where's the mystery? Yeah. Where's the connection with the with the with the other world? Where is the transcendence? Yeah. It's not there. Yeah. No, I agree. It's not there, Father. I no. I, I want to bring this up before we leave because I uh, this Jesse will be back tomorrow. You have a book that's going to be coming out into the year, first of the year. Can you give us an update on that? Yeah, I can. I can. It's, the working title is uh, "Murder in the Thirty Third Degree." Mm-hmm. Do you love the title? Yes, I do. Freemasonry. <laughs> Yeah, of course. It is about the it is about the death of Pope John Paul the first, mm-hmm. and uh, the things leading up to that, yeah. and the things from that, and it has to do with the three year study of the Roman Curia investigation of the Roman Curia, that is to say, the central government of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. a three year study done by Cardinal Edward Gagnon, who was. Um, one of my best friends and closest uh, allies in the world all my life. Wow. It was a great, great, great man. I helped him a little bit with that. I was living with him uh, right next door to, to, to his room and, and assisted him in a lot of things. I drove him to the audiences that he had with three popes. Wow. And uh, it, a lot of things that have never been said yes. are being said. Well, and I, you know why? Tell me. I, I'm getting old. Yeah, you want to get it off your chest before you... I want to get it off. I want to get this out. I want it to be stated, and people can do with it as they wish. But we've been living through a lot of things that are not true. 
Uh, we've gone through a lot of untruth. Yeah. It's time that the truth be told. And this book is, uh, I hope, one of the vehicles to getting that truth out. And I, I really hope. And my hope is that you'll actually come down to Southern California and sign some books for our listeners here at the chapel someday to give us a little introduction to that book. I don't know if you're still going to be uh, free to do that once this book comes out because. Uh, well, we'll 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 see. But, you know, any chance I get to be with you yeah, well, and, and and down at down at, at Sacred sure. Heart Church is 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 golden. I I love it. Well, we appreciate it. It's it's so beautiful to be with real people, yeah, I hear real you. people and real believers, and just in the joy of our Lord Jesus Christ and His Most Holy Mother. It's Amen. beautiful. Amen. Well, Father, thank you very much for joining us these two days, Friday and Monday here on the Terry and Jesse show. Father, for people who can get your books, do they just go and Google your name and go to Amazon to get your uh, other books? Well, the, that book that I was talking about, Murder in the 33rd yeah. Degree, is not out. No, no, but... We're, I'm, it, negotiating with, I'm negotiating with the, with publishers right now. Right, but the other books, uh, your it, other books. It should be out very soon. The, the other one, The Godmother, yeah. is out. Um there are a number of books out, but the the Godmother is also very very good. It's about Pius the Twelfth. My 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 conversations, eight years of conversations with Pius the Twelfth's secretary, personal secretary, Mother Pascolina. Yeah, she was his personal secretary for about forty two years. Amazing. Uh, and she was my Godmother. The reason it's called the Godmother isn't because she was a mafiosa. No, <laughs> it's because she was my Godmother for ordination as as, as to the priesthood. So if they type uh, in she was Char- great, Char- yeah. CharlesMurr.com. Is that how they just type in Charles yeah, Murr? You can go to CharlesMurr.com. Okay. www.CharlesMurr.com. That's M U R R. They're all the books there. Great. Father, thanks again for joining us again. Thank you so much, Terry. Uh, God love you. You have a great Thanksgiving. Folks, we have another show coming up, and I want you to listen to that. Thank you for all your support here at Virgin's Most Powerful Radio. We are getting a new engineer, the first of the year, and if I've sent a letter asking for money for that and you want to help us out, go to vmpr.org or call us at 877-526-2151. If Jesse was here, I'd say, Jesse, what state should we be living in? And he would say, state of grace. Don't go a minute without staying in the state of grace. Get the confession, pray your rosary, make your visits to the Blessed Sacrament, pray for Holy Mother, the Church. Remember what Our Lady said at Fatima, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Are you willing to make a sacrifice for the salvation of souls? Please say yes. I say yes, and I want to thank you for saying yes to Christ and His Church. May God richly bless you and your family. And full sheen ahead here at Virgin Most Powerful.